why do you have so many apparently wealthy friends and and why don't i have more friends like that like all these friends with spatially aware trucks vr like what in the world so here's the here's the here's the thing adam the key is just having one one friend like that that's true i think like 90 percent of my fun fun friend stories come from one or two friends ah see that's the way to do it and then just always refer to them as like my friend or my buddy and i got this other friend yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) it's like Dude, I met up with the other day. Yeah. Put that content down. Content. For closes only. What's your name? Content. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers. All right, we're back. Content is for closers. I'm Adam with Carlton, as always. We've got a kind of a hodgepodge episode. Really hate the word hodgepodge. Not sure why I used it there. Don't like the way. What's that? Leftovers. Yeah, leftovers. In the fridge. It it is. Some leftover night. There's some chicken in there. There's some. There's some like day old pizza. Some some lasagna, and we kind of just need to like get it all out so we can have a fresh start next week. But several things I want to get to. First of all, the the first thing, we just recorded the intro for the Michelle Corey episode. In preparation for that episode, Michelle Corey, just as a tease, is the founder of Frequency Media. She is a post-capitalist. So we had this very interesting conversation. One of the first conversations on the show where I just fundamentally disagreed with the person. Thought we had a really great conversation despite that. And uh, it was one of my, it ended up being one of my favorite episodes. But she talked a lot about this idea of audio experiences and innovation within audio. And I think that's something that just our nature as a company and as people, you know, we don't typically push the boundaries of that. We're a lot more practical in what we focus on and how we execute. And I was just curious what you thought of of that, of audio innovation or where your head's at when it comes to some of those things that that are possible. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I think it's amazing when people have the bandwidth to not just run a company, but also push the edge of a technology. And I think at different times, like with the web, we find ourselves there a little bit with certain mm-hmm. websites and, and we're trying to like find solutions for things. But I think there's something very technical about audio that sometimes gets kind of like oversimplified. So people start thinking about like, oh, it's just audio or it's just a podcast or it's just, you know, you know, it's, it's like a dumbed down version of what you get when you watch video or it's only half of it. Right. And I think, you know, there's really so much more room in the audio space for, for different things. And I, and I think part of the problem is that honestly, like our microphones and some of our, the technology has not been fast enough to process some of the things in real time, because most of what we do with audio is real time. When we think about like, like talking on the phone, or there's, there's several other components that have that real-time aspect that we kind of have expected for years to be, you know, to have a certain level of quality, right? Like we're, we're listening to the radio and it's, it's not, you know, it might not, it might be a little fuzzy, but at the same time, like we're still getting pretty good quality. Yeah. You and so, yeah, like when music streaming came out, there was kind of like a bar that had to be matched with what, you know, what people would get out of it. So I think there's all these facets of podcasting, of audio and general audio branding that can be pushed and have other areas of innovation. It's just finding those projects that, that kind of let you do that. 
Yeah, I think the other side of it, and I'm sure this is the case with any industry, but you know, as someone who's trying to go into businesses and have these conversations, my thought immediately goes to what will they practically buy, right? Like we're going to talk in a second about some of the, some of the branding projects that we've been doing recently, and even some of the promotion we've been doing for our own shows So stick around for that. But when we're talking about innovation or creativity, sometimes it's hard to even broach that subject with clients who are so singularly focused on their objectives, their leads. And I'm, it's not their fault. It, it's my fault as a practitioner. I just want to get them something that's palatable so that we can move the conversation forward and hopefully work together at some point. And then maybe at some point we'll talk about really pushing the bleeding edge and innovating. And that's a little bit of a lazy approach, really. I think, I think what people like Michelle are doing and what lots of other people who have been in the voice space, which is a little bit more of a broader category outside of podcasts or audio, have done such a great job of is they think of audio as this end-to-end experiential, you know, c- campaign or component to their brand and think of how they are interacting with their customer at every touch point along the way through audio. And I think that's something I'm just sort of, you know, divulging here <laughs> from from herd standpoint that we can improve on, to be frank. I think that it's something that we can really think through. How do we help, you know, the trucking companies that we work with? How do we help them talk to their drivers, like literally, not just in a podcast, but in their trucks or in the warehouse or whatever, you know, and there, and that applies to other, how do we help our venture capitalists talk to their founders? How do we, and so anyway, it really pushed my brain a little bit that way. Yeah. And I, I think there's a ton of, sometimes you know, I just talked to another founder in the podcast space who has an agency much larger than ours. They're probably the most successful production agency. And he said, Hey, do you ever worry, Adam, that, you know, we're going to become irrelevant podcast production companies going to become irrelevant. And because I, I, that's what keeps me up at night. I'm worried that we're going to become irrelevant. People are, the technology is going to get so good. People are just not going to need help, et cetera. And this was sort of my thought in response to that is like, you can't become irrelevant if you're continually pushing the bar uh, as to what service you're providing and you're providing experience as opposed to a commodity of podcast editing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So just directionally, that's something that I think that we need to continue to yeah. improve on. Have you, have you used VR much, Adam? Not, no, not real. I mean, like I've worn a headset one time at a, at a, like an event. Actually yeah. it was with you. Remember we yeah. did that, we did that yeah. driving thing. We explain what we did. Well, yeah, we were just basically testing out at a booth, like testing out what it's like to be in a truck and like having digital school, digital driving. Yeah, school. that's yeah. And so, yeah, it was meant for a training device. But like, so, so I have a good friend who has a headset, and he'll come over and and we'll play like a few rounds of golf or oh, cool. Do, yeah, there's some really cool applications with it. He like loves working out with it. Like that's his go-to workout is boxing in it in vr oh um and so anyways that 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 aside i think a big component of vr is the audio part of it Mm. right like if that's not spatially right it's it's like a way degraded experience yeah so i I think there's something to be said about like spatially in in like like when we're not in front of a computer how audio can can play a role right Mm. so 
I, I think for me, the HomePod, I don't know if you have one of those, but I, I love that thing. It's like the little HomePod MIDI. It's, it sits over by the coffee maker and I engage with that all the time. And I think the better that, that, that becomes interfacing with what's, with what's on our phones and what's with what's around us. I'm just lots of uh, W words mixing it up. I think the more there is there for the future of innovation, especially when it comes to content, finding ways to kind of sneak content in or to help us hear things without necessarily like having to pull out our phones and, you know, have everything kind of consume, consume our visual peripheral fields. So I I think there's a lot of interesting trends there. And then you said truck the other day, like I was, you know, you just mentioned that, that listening in truck, it made me think of, the other day I was in my friend's new truck and the spatial audio in there is incredible. Like they've got audio in the head seats and oh, wow. now, and then a few different uh, speakers around. So if somebody's switching like the size of the instruments or the size of the person who's talking, like you get this really incredible spatial experience of like, oh, this person's over here and this person's over here. So I think there's like right now, I think we're scratching the surface still of like, technology, being able to use some of those things and help us get the most out of, of what we produce. Yeah. I think there's tons of opportunity for us as a company to find ways to help other companies do those things. I would like to say as a sidebar, why do you have so many apparently wealthy friends and and why don't I have more friends like that? Like all these friends with spatially aware trucks VR, like what in the world? So here's the here's the here's the thing, Adam. The key is just having one one friend like that. That's true. I think like ninety percent of my fun fun friend stories come from one or two friends. So. Ah, see, that's the way to do it. And then just always refer to them as like my friend or my buddy. And I got this other cool. friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it seems like dude I met up with the other day. Yeah, yeah. So innovation that was one of the things I wanted to pull out in terms of the leftovers and, and talk about. The next thing I wanted to talk about was sort of just a branding process. And I want to lay the context for this a little bit. We have a, we have a client who is currently branding some software and they asked for us to help them with the, the logo and the brand book for this software. And uh, long story short, Carlton just took them through an exercise and I was just blown away by (laughs) the, the simplicity and the clarity that your exercise provided to them. And so I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about it. So the, the, what you did, can you, just, can you just describe what you delivered to them? Yeah, well, so we're doing a visual identity, you know, kind of brand, brand play. So they've already got the name, which takes a lot of the headache out of it. So really, we're just trying to pick some directions some creative directions around what it is that like, like where they want to end, right? So what I did is this is the first round of, of kind of choosing or making their choices that help narrow, narrow down that direction. Mm-hmm. So I ended and, up just doing a, a short video, just kind of with a slideshow. Canva, you can actually record and present now, which is kind of a fun tool. So when they, you know, when they get the link, it's just got the slideshow there and they can kind of see the different, like where I switch slides. And then it's got my little video in the corner where I can, you know, talk to them. So that was essentially what I did was just ran through that slideshow, overviewing those different options and giving them the pros and cons of each. And then letting them make the decision without having to have a ton of back and forth. 
Yeah. So a couple of things that you did really, really well here was number one, it was a video. I think more practitioners need to do this who are delivering services. There wasn't a long meeting. There wasn't a ornate pitch. You, you put together some beautiful slides, but it wasn't like, hey, let's all go meet in the conference room and discuss this and navel gaze. It, you sent them a 10 minute video that had the entire presentation with your commentary as well. And I don't think you scripted that commentary. It didn't seem like it was, but it was clearly well thought out. You, you had just some points to make, and then you moved on to the next thing. That was number one I thought was really good. And, and so it allowed the customer to consume the presentation at their own pace and time and then feedback on it before a given deadline that you provided for them. The second thing is that you didn't, you know, and this, I think this is really hard for creatives, but you gave them three directions without asking them for a ton of information or decision-making on their behalf. The three directions for this given company, I think the three directions were, what was it? It was like movement was one of them. The, the letter association, like a type tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a letter mark. And then what was the third one? And the third one was like connection. So Con yeah. connection, symbolizing connection. And so well, by just deciding, you just made the kind of like an executive decision. These are the three directions we're going to provide. You didn't really ask a million questions that led you to that. I mean, I think we, we had some, some, you know, some work beforehand, but that gave the client such a sense of security and of simplicity where they just looked at it. And we've already heard back from them like, oh, this one seems to make the most sense for, for us given XYZ objectives. So I thought that was really, really good. And then the third thing was the way that you, and I obviously it's a podcast, so it's hard to describe it, but the, the mood boards you put together were the, you know, least common denominator, I would say of each concept. So yep. it was very easy for the customer to say, okay, this is what he means when he says visualizing connection. This is what he means when he says visualizing movement. And you gave some examples of each one slide, not overly complex, but the, those three things, putting them together in that package made it such a clear and easy process for them. And I've been a part of a lot of branding projects that are, they can just get so overwhelming and so introspective where this was just almost like you're marking off a box and now we're moving on to the next phase. So I just uh, wanted to commend you, but I also wanted to explain that for people listening, like just following that systemized process, I think will give you a better output than necessarily coming up with like the greatest hand-drawn mark. And we'll see, we haven't finished it yet, but, but so far on the process, it's been really, really good. Well, thank you, Adam. I'm still working on learning how to take and accept compliments in a gracious manner instead of deflecting. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think a big part of that as well is like developing trust with your client because if they don't trust you or if they're skeptical about something, I think there's some agencies that are trying to prove like, this is why you should trust us because we're doing all this legwork. But sometimes in the process, you end up like decreasing trust because you're putting all of these questions on the, the client and you're saying like, like, they don't know which of those questions are the most important or are going to determine the fate of, you know, so yeah. it's hard for them to measure what, what role some of these questions have in the, in the end. You know, if at the end of the day, if our client, if they want to say, Hey, actually, none of these are really floating my boat, let's go for something else. Uh, then, then, then that's fine. Like we can reevaluate, but by, by kind of proceeding with confidence and saying, Hey, here are three directions that can work. 
that could produce quality results and, but they all look very different. Mm. And that's kind of the first decision that can be made to narrow down all the rest of your decisions. Yeah. And I should say that that was the other part of it. You told them of these three, this is the one I think you should go with, which again, it's probably against like best practice from agency 101, <laughs> but it gave them a sense of ease and it gave them something to react to. I think that's so important in these processes. Like if you're providing services to someone and you're listening to this, the worst thing you can do is give them the ocean because that's an impot. That's what they hired you for. They hired you for, for you to take the ocean and make it into something tangible. And so when you're able to do that, even if they don't like what you give them, it gives them something to react to and to improve upon. And so when you told them, here's the three, this is the one I think you should do. I think it, they actually agree with you, but even if they didn't, it, it would give them something to give you tangible feedback on. So really, really effective. Yeah, cool. People yeah it makes sense. The last thing I wanted to get to is show promotion. We've been talking about this internally. I think we're reorienting how we think about show promotion for our own show, for, for this show, as well as for client shows. Maybe you could just lay the context as to what you and Tristan were working on that we talked about yesterday a little bit. Yeah, so I'll preface this with saying this is convicting for us, right? We, we, uh, this isn't always our strong point because naturally, if you look at our entire agency, not that we're all anti-social media, but I, out, of the, you know, out of the people that publish content, the majority, I would say, is that safe, Adam? The majority of us shy away from social media as a personal default. Yeah, it's weird. We have like a very mixed relationship. Like I probably have the least social platforms. Like I only have a LinkedIn and a Twitter, but I'm the most active on those. And some wouldn't even call what I am active. So it, we, for being a social you know, media company of sorts, yeah, personally, we aren't the most active, I would say. And yeah, I think some of that's by design, right? Like, I think we, we all see the value of social media to some degree, but we also see the dangers of it. Mm -hmm. And so I think by and large, most of like most of the people in our company are just intentional about how we want to spend our time and we're all on the computer pretty much most of the day. And so I think that's like sometimes a, a choice to just not have a screen in front of our eyes 24 seven. But that being said, for, the, for a business, we can't stress the importance of distributing the content that you do make. And that's, yeah, that's let's just something say, that, like, it's, it, that makes it difficult for us. Like we, we, yeah. I'm yeah. glad we all have those, those, that intentional perspective, but distribution becomes much harder when you don't have just the natural inclination Habit, yeah. towards, like none of us are really like scrolling TikTok all the time, you know, for personal yeah. consumption. So that does make it. I'm a TikTok lurker. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess. Yeah. Some, some yeah no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. There's a big, big difference between when something is a habit that's part of your everyday life, both as like a personal thing and a professional thing. The people that do social media at that level, I, I think they have an advantage. So anyways, we're trying to change that. There's aspects of, of things that we're doing. I think that will, will help with it. But one of the, the thought processes we have is, A, if we can't do every single thing, if we can't like for every single piece, every single day be putting out eight pieces of content, what are the things that we can do? What are the more, more approachable things? And I think that's a great place for our audience to start because a, a lot of them are probably in the same position that we are. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't have the tools or the resources that we have, but in a lot of ways, I think people feel with social media that it is a bit of a burden. And, and so, yeah, I, looking at what is, what is accessible for you. And then I think the second thing is making a list of, of those things and making sure somebody owns it, making sure it's assigned to somebody. If you, if everyone kind of just says, yeah, we'll share that. We'll, 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 you know, when that episode gets live, we'll, we'll all put it out there. Like that's a recipe for, for failure. That was our, that was our original plan. And even to the point where we, we set up that bot in Slack where it like notifies us if the herd account tweets, nobody did anything with it. It's just not a, a a regular behavior. I think everyone assumes noise and you're like, okay. What was, oh, yeah, yeah, what was it? Well, and everyone assumes, okay, the, the company account got it. So like everybody else is probably doing something with it. And then it, everyone was thinking that. So nobody was doing anything with it. Yeah. To your point, yeah. somebody owning it is a, is a huge benefit there. So essentially what we did yesterday is we kind of made that list and then we put it in our templates, in our task templates. And, uh, you know, and then we, we also thought not just about social media, we thought about other engagement methods too. So common one being email, um, making sure that it's easier for Adam to, to take advantage of the email that he sends out as part of the show, the show release. And then we, we looked at a few other options too, like, like post, we don't want to call it post jacking, but that's probably the best explanation of it. Just looking for other posts that are discussing the, that content that you're talking about on the web. And injecting yourself, that's the word I was looking for, post-injecting, injecting yourself into the conversation. Those are all aspects of distribution that I think people don't traditionally think of. Yeah, and I think the other thing you all talked about that, that really got my brain working differently was how do we t- leverage whoever it is that we're talking to or talking about or discussing, how do we leverage their immediate network? So give, yeah. you know, example, we had on John Sherman on Tuesday on the podcast. He's an author. He's a pretty big Twitter personality. He's a golf instructor. Using this model, I'm not saying we're doing this perfectly, but the playbook is, okay, John Sherman's the, you know, the guest, but he has sponsors who, who pay him to amplify about them. He's got customers, you know, he's got people who pay for his book or his service or his coaching. He's got some other vendors. Like there's, there's natural alliances around the guests that we had on. And so it's just giving a little bit of thought. And again, this is not going to be perfect, but giving a little bit of thought of, as to what's a piece of content we could create for one or two or all of those ancillary audiences and specifically design the content and flight the content to speak to those people. Like, even if you're tagging them, like, hey, at TaylorMade, look at how John Sherman represented you on XYZ. Yeah. Or, you know, you could flex that to whatever the, the guest is that you're talking to. But I think that is a very powerful one-to-one strategy that we need to improve on, but that's a huge opportunity for other creators as well. Yeah. And it, the, the lowest bar is if they mention something specifically, it's just taking that segment, right? Hey, look, you were mentioned. We talked about you. You know, everyone likes to hear that. So yep. I think there's like some low bar things and there's also some higher bar things where you're, you know, thinking about creating specific pieces for, for that audience or for that partner. Yeah, it's good. So 
that's sort of what we're working on. Just wanted to kind of get on here and do a quick catch up episode on, like we said, a few of the things we had left over in the fridge. We've got a new interview episode coming out for you on Tuesday. We'll be back with some more sort of content workshoppy type stuff here on Fridays. Let us know what you think about this. If this was helpful, it would be helpful to us to know what is working with you as the audience. So let us know, hit us, hit me up on Twitter, Adam Vasquez or Carlton or email us or whatever. And I think, and you got anything else, Carlton? No, just have a great rest of your Friday. All right. We'll catch you soon.